0: It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this.
1: Adidas. How does sports betting work? What are the different roles involved? And what does it take to win big? We'll answer all of these questions and more on this edition of Getting Schooled. I'm Abby Hornacek. As football season rolls on, and with basketball season starting soon. Millions of fans and gamblers are rushing to place bets on the teams they love or project to win. Now, sports betting or gambling has been a controversial topic for years. But in May of 2018, the U.S. Supreme Court struck down the 1992 Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act legislation, allowing states to make the move toward legalizing sports gambling. In the states where betting is legal it's only allowed in regulated locations like casinos. On the other hand, popular betting apps and websites like DraftKings and FanDuel have made it easier for fans to place bets, adding another exciting element to watching their favorite teams play. But it goes much deeper than that. There are a lot of elements to understand in order to play correctly and, of course, hopefully win big. So to walk us through all of this is not only one of the best People I know. But he's also the best uh, sports analyst I know. ESPN sports betting analyst and host of the Daily Wager, Tyler Fuljum. Tyler, I just screamed into the microphone because I'm so excited.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, thank you, Abby. Um, And the only reason that Abby calls me one of the best people uh, that she knows is because I used to um, inspire her dress. You saw on her Instagram <laughs> stories. She used to copy my um, fashion sensibilities uh, when we worked together in Chicago. So I, mean, I think she's just she she just loved that I had a, a good sense of <laughs> style that she could uh, adopt. And, Let's uh, be real. New heights in her career.
1: You went shopping in my closet. So just to give context to what Tyler's talking about, we showed up to work one day. We used to work together um, at in Chicago. And I show up to work I'm wearing these green jeans this white shirt these brown boots I'm like you know what I'm so creative with my outfit I'm so excited for this I walk in Tyler is wearing the exact same outfit white shirt green <laughs> jeans brown boots um and he did he said he bets a, a zillion dollars that we would roast each other on this podcast so I hope you you bet the line did I use that correctly that that term did I bet? pretty bet the much spread.
0: yeah and I I would say I pulled off the look a little bit better um, (laughs) than Abby with her gangly legs and gangly (laughs) arms. You know, that, 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 that fall look, that fall aesthetic, you need to be a little bit shorter like me, a little more, Proportional, but no. You are also uh, very tan. So. love working with you, yeah, <laughs> always love working with you. And in all seriousness, you're gonna make anything look better than I do. There's no doubt about it.
1: That's just not true, but I appreciate the kind <laughs> words. Um, all right, so you know, I I said that we had talked or we had worked together, and one of my first memories with you guys in general was I kept hearing DraftKings and FanDuel. So first mm-hmm. of all, Tyler, can you just tell me what those are um, for people who maybe aren't as into the game? gambling world
0: for sure uh, DraftKings and FanDuel are two companies in the daily fantasy sports um landscape that's what you'll hear the um the kind of the uh the acronym dfs when people are talking about it and that means daily fantasy sports so um what it is is basically a, a new style of fantasy sports that people came up with in the you know early 2000s mid 2000s if you played fantasy football and one of your best players got hurt. It kind of discouraged you from like participating in the rest of the season. Like your first round draft mm-hmm. pick gets hurt. You're like, oh, my team is screwed. So people came up with the idea of redrafting your fantasy team every week of the season. So that, you know, if an injury happens, it doesn't affect you. Because next week you just play the game again. And you can dr- obviously draft players that aren't injured mm-hmm. and, and try and win money. So all you're doing is redrafting a team. Uh, each and every week. So you put money into your DraftKings or FanDuel account, and then each and every week you pick um, you know, eight or nine players, depending on which uh, site you're on, and there's a salary cap um, on each site that you have to adhere to. Obviously, otherwise every player would just put you know, Tom Brady and Derrick Henry and DeAndre Hopkins in their lineup every single week. You can do that. You can put those three guys in, but then the rest of your lineup is going to be filled out with guys who are You know, very low price because they either don't play a lot, they're not that good, they don't get a lot of opportunity. So there's that balance. You've got to balance looking at matchups, looking at trends, looking at, um, you know, the data and figure out for that week, what's the best way to maximize the salary cap I have to spend on these players um, given their matchups. So I love that because, yeah, it keeps you engaged every single week. You don't get discouraged by a big injury happening or there's no collusion, obviously. Sometimes you see that in fantasy football where some teams are trying real hard and the others aren't. Um, That's what I loved about daily fantasy sports because it keeps you engaged all now 17 weeks of the NFL season after 16.
1: Right, right. I mean, it's crazy. And like, look, we can have a whole conversation about fantasy football, fantasy baseball, everything um, in a whole other podcast. And I love that you said it's kind of this balance. Um, that's sports Sports betting is a bit just in general about balance. Um, And I'm also curious, Tyler, because uh, if you go back to like 2013, it was 2013 New York actually passed a bill that made sports gambling legal at the state level. Um, Can you just break that down? Because you've worked in sports for an extremely long time and, and sports betting was not always legal at the state level.
0: Right, and I appreciate you uh, using a very long time. Like I'm so much older than you, Abby Hornacek. You've been in this but,
1: business uh, for nine thousand years. I mean, <laughs> I don't 9, even know how years. you're still kicking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, let's go. Let's go back like you know, you know, twenty, thirty years ago. The really only places you could gamble on sports in the United States of America were Las Vegas, Nevada, where I'm at now, and Atlantic City in New Jersey. Like those were really the only two places that allowed you know sports wagering. And it didn't really make any sense. Like, I I didn't understand why why sports gambling was, you know, so outlawed or looked at as such a faux pas. Um, When we consider the trends of how people engage with what they consume, sports is entertainment, just like a TV show, just like anything. It's entertainment. um, And it's our favorite form of entertainment. It's our favorite form of reality TV sports. What's going to happen next? It's not scripted. We don't know. And, And the best way for sports to continue to grow since TV brought them from the 60s and 70s to the 80s and 90s and being the best, you know, form of live TV. Now I'm in the 21st century with anything that is entertainment. You need to engage your viewer mm-hmm. and social media helps do that with TV shows, obviously with sports. The best way to engage a viewer is to ha- allow them to have skin in the game. Like if I'm watching my favorite team, you know, the Cardinals or the Rams and uh, the blues, of course I'm going to be engaged because that's, I have a vested interest in them and emotionally, but I don't really care that much about the Atlanta Falcons and the New York Giants. I'll watch the game. However, if I'm allowed to bet on the New York giants and the Atlanta Falcons Mm. and the outcomes within their game. So engaging viewers, I think leagues have finally gotten on board with saying, you know, if we want to keep continue growing to be these behemoths, we are, we need to engage the viewers and sports wagering is the best way to do that. So, There was strong pushes from from states all over to legalize gambling in their states so they can, of course, tax it and have revenue uh, to disperse throughout the uh, state for whatever is needed. Just the same way that, you know, alcohol and cigarettes have always been taxed and used. And we're seeing now marijuana legalized. This was a thing that was a faux pas 30, 40 years ago, like gambling. It's like, why was why was alcohol you know, universally accepted as something, even though it can be very dangerous, just like gambling, just like um, marijuana, just like cigarettes it can be very dangerous for people if they don't use it responsibly. But for whatever reason, since the dawn of this country, well, we can we can buy alcohol as long as you're 21 years old. You can buy cigarettes as long as you're 18 years old. But, no, we will not allow gambling in this. We will not allow marijuana in this country. Now, those stigmas have been removed, I think, for good reason. Responsibility is still obviously the most important thing when it comes to things that can be abused Um, and gambling can be abused, of course, just like any other um, kind of um, recreational drug or or drink that we have in this country. But I think uh, states finally got wise to the amount of money they could pull in. And so we have seen 20 plus states now, plus the District of Columbia, with plenty more in the future that have legislation on the table to legalize sports gambling because it's a great way for the leagues to engage with the viewer and um, ensure future viewership for Mm -hmm. um, the younger, you know, 21 to 30 year olds who are going to have that um, disposable income at 30, 40 and 50 for the advertisers of these leagues to look at that data. So I think that's why it's becoming so popular. It always was popular. Don't get it twisted, Abby, but it just wasn't legalized. Now, smartly, America is legalizing um, gambling and I think it's for good reason, because people want to do it. They would do it anyway, even if it was, because everyone had a corner bookie back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. <laughs> it was just illegal to have that, but everyone had it, no matter where you're at. Right. Now it's legalized. Now states can reap the benefit of that uh, money that is being wagered each and every weekend in the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, and whatnot. And they can turn those um, tax dollars into positives for the state, education, infrastructure, all those things. Um, and I think it's just a really good thing that we are bringing it out of the dark and into the light having it be um, you know, regulated and allowing people to do it because I think it's the future of watching sports. Everyone is going to have a little piece of the action. Some will be more serious than others, but everyone must have a little piece of the action, a little skin in the game when you turn on Monday Night Football, especially if your team's not playing.
1: Yeah, I feel like just even I, – I was never into gambling growing up. I still am. I, I don't really gamble. I'm just bad at it.
0: <laughs> I don't watch you enough.
1: That's probably why. Um, no, but I, I always feel like when you heard the word bookie, it was like – a bookie seemed like a little sketchy because it yeah, wasn't exactly. always legal to have a bookie you know and there's that's where that stigma is by the way just pick up on something earlier that you said you can't come to New York and, and say that you don't really watch you don't really like the Giants that's that's dangerous
0: yeah. <laughs> edit that part out for yeah. me when i come to oh uh, yeah we'll see
1: <laughs> well no i mean you go over through all, all you go through all these positives of you know gambling and why making it legal is beneficial what are some of the dangers of gambling that that maybe Prevented it from becoming legal earlier.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned the word bookie in the negative connotation. It was basically like drug dealer. They're basically synonymous, drug dealer, bookie, mm-hmm. illegal um, purveyors of a good or service um, back in the day. And obviously the most dangerous thing about gambling is it requires money. And not everyone is responsible with their money, just like not everyone is responsible with how they drink. Some get behind the wheel, and obviously that is dangerous. Drinking and driving um, with with cigarettes, we know what it does to your body, and some people are not responsible for smoking a pack or two a day. Of course, it is their you know freedom and right in this country to make those choices. But those choices have consequences. You don't you don't, just because we have freedoms to do things doesn't mean those things that we do don't have consequences. So. Now that there's the freedom in some states with more coming uh, to legally gamble just because you have the freedom to do so doesn't mean you can't be irresponsible with the choices you make. If you are gambling your mortgage payment every week on something that uh, has an outcome you have no control over. Uh, A football game played hundreds or thousands of miles away, a baseball game, even if it's played in your own backyard, and you may know some of the players on the team. You still can't control the outcome of that game. It is out of your hands. And if you are wagering irresponsible amounts of money that um, would otherwise go to the actual needs in your life, your family, the roof over your head, the food on your table, things like that. Um, that, that's irresponsible. And that's why there are, you know, gambler anonymous, um, you know, helplines and, and groups that it, it, because it can be a disease. It can be addictive to get, um, you know, addicted to the rush of having to sweat out. Oh my God, on this last play, are they going to score a touchdown? And that gives me the win. Or are they going to fail? And that gives the book the win. Like there's a rush to that. You're, you're definitely releasing chemicals in your brain that make it an addictive feeling. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why I think it's an important part of the, a uh, future of the um, engagement experience of the viewing experience, because it makes it more like the dopamine is just flowing more in your brain when you're watching the game and you have some money on the line. But of course you have to be responsible about how you wager that. Money. Yeah.
1: I mean, who doesn't love a dopamine hit, especially when it has monetary <laughs> right. value and, exactly. <laughs> and rewards. <laughs> um, exactly. So then how does sports betting work? Like, let's say I wanted to follow your advice on daily wager and, and place a bet. How would I go about doing that?
0: So there's there's a, still an old school way where you can go to the sports book. If you're in Las Vegas, you can go to any one of the mini casinos here and go to the sports book and go up to the counter and say, I want to bet on the St. Louis Cardinals to beat the Milwaukee Brewers tonight. And I just want to bet the money line. There's, there's thousands of different ways to bet a game. You can bet who wins. You can bet the score, the total. You can bet props. I mean, that, that'll that take, you know, another uh, podcast. But bottom line, you just say, I want to bet on this team. And they'll give you a ticket. You pay them your money. You give them your Ten dollars, your one hundred dollars, your one hundred thousand dollars. If that's the kind of um, budget that you have, you give them your money. Wish. They give you a ticket. Yeah, exactly, they give you your ticket that says, "All right, you give me a thousand dollars. So if you win this bet, we're going to give you back a thousand dollar. You're a thousand dollars plus whatever you get for winning this bet. If you lose this bet, we keep your thousand dollars and." Better luck next time. Uh, so you can do it that old school way. And you know our buddy, Dave Ross, for those who don't, he uh, is another uh, fellow we worked with in Chicago and he is literally much, much older than Abby and I. So he likes to do it the old school way. He likes to have that piece of paper in front of them that uh, he's always, that's the way he's always done it. Cause that's, you know, mobile uh, wagering or online wagering wasn't around because, you know n- not even the internet computers weren't even invented when Dave Ross was born. So. <laughs> um, now we have, you know, the advent of the internet and we have phones that are um, mobile. So in states where it is legalized, you can download an app and that app if, will allow you to wager on any game anywhere else in the country and the world as well. You don't, you don't have to just bet on American sports. You can bet on mm-hmm. soccer in Europe. You can bet on table tennis in Russia. You can bet on fencing in New Zealand. It doesn't matter if there's a, a competition Trust me, you can find a way to bet it. So you can just sit on your couch. Literally, you don't have to leave your house. You just sit on your couch, you put some money into account, you verify that you're of age, 21, able to gamble with your uh, ID, um, all those things. And then once you have an open account, you can put money into it. You make the wager, and then the uh, the book or the app will extract that money out of your account, and then they will put it back in plus what you win if you win, and they will keep that if you lose. So but it's who very, is paying very simple.
1: Like, where's that money coming from? It's just, is it just like oh, a the, compilation the, the of the everyone? Complicate-
0: Well, no, no. These are obviously very rich company, you know, very wealthy companies like Caesars, like DraftKings. They're billion dollar companies. So they have, you know, the capital to do this. And plus, everyone, every single bet that every, you know, millions of people, that is money going to them. It's just a constant flow of money back and forth. And the books do something to ensure that they always, you know, win a little bit more by charging you a little juice is what Mm. it's called or the VIG back in the day. So. Um, and that's baked into the price of the bet. They're always, as being the, um, you know, the third party that takes and transfers the money. They tax you if you want to bet a hundred dollars. There's fifteen percent of that one hundred dollars is a tax that is going to the um, the book for being the third party that allows everyone to exchange and to bet. I mean, it's, it's the same as a store. Like if you go into a store to buy, you know, a, a soda, you're paying a little bit of that a price for that $2 is a tax that is baked in and goes to that store for having the, the infrastructure to hold that soda, allow you to come in and then walk out the door with it. So just like anything in this um, you know uh, society, there is a tax baked into the price. They keep that. And what they try to do as best as they can through data, through analytics, through math, through their algorithms, they try and make a bet as close to a 50-50 proposition as possible and they can do that by the spread abby so of course if the you know LA rams or the tampa bay bucks play the jacksonville jaguars everyone would bet the rams or the bucks to win straight up because they're better but the great equalizer in gambling is the point spread and so not only do the rams have to win or the bucks have to win that game against the jaguars they have to win by a certain amount of points for the bet to be considered a winner. So instead of just winning 31 to 30 by one point, they will have to win the game like 31 to 18 left to win by 12 or more points. And that makes it a more equal bet, a more 50-50 proposition. Even though the teams are greatly different in terms of countability, the point spread is the great equalizer. And that's what makes it as close to a 50-50 proposition for the bet or for the book so that some people will actually bet on the Jaguars because they'll be able to keep it within two touchdowns of course, some people bet the, the best team, but um, that gets into how the, the these books make all this money and why gambling has been such a profitable business for those who run it for as long as sports have been around.
1: I'm glad you bring up that point because I have always wondered, how is the spread determined? It's for, it's Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, how how do they yep. determine the spread and how are they always so accurate? <laughs> i
0: don't understand uh, it's simple mathematics it's simple mathematics it's just like is it um, simple people on well it's not simple you need to be smart much smarter than me <laughs> um certainly much smarter than you blondie yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> the
1: truth maybe i should dye my hair that uh, might help
0: <laughs> no i it, it's 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 algorithms it's data they have um proprietary um uh data on you know trends that go way deeper than just like, hey, this pitcher has this earned run average. They're looking at every single type of data and analytic and number that go into any type of competition, and they use that to determine the probability of what the score would be if these teams played hundred times, and then they set that. So it, it, it's very, it's honestly very similar to how, and I'm not, I'm no financial genius, but it's very, very similar to how um, you know people who are great in finance on Wall Street are using data and using numbers and algorithms to be predictive in the stock market. Like there's people who are just really good at this, who know how to time the market, who know how to know what stocks are buy low, which are sell high, those type of things. And it's very similar in sports. They know what, what is the most likely outcome and they set the line, they set the spread, they set the total to reflect what is the most likely outcome. And that's why they're so good because more often than not, their math is right. Like, mm-hmm. sometimes they're off. Yeah, sometimes an underdog wins outright. Sometimes their total is way too high or way too low. But, you know, more often than not, they're going to be right on with that, you know, spread coming down to the last second where if this team gets a field goal, they cover. If they uh, miss, they lose. Um, the total is usually right on. Like, all right, if there's there's 10 seconds left in the game and the ball's on the 20-yard line, if another team scores here, uh, the total goes over. If they don't, it stays under. So it really is just numbers. Numbers are... Um, the great, great truth teller in our universe. As they say, women lie, men lie, numbers do not lie. And numbers get it right way more often than people just looking at a team with their eyes and saying, oh, that team's better. I'll bet on them.
1: I've got a question to ask you, but right after this.
0: This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com.
1: So then what are you looking at when you give people advice on what to what kind of bet to place?
0: Uh, Great question. There's all kinds of. Thank you. um, I am a blondie. (laughs) 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 Tell you what, that is one of the smartest questions I've ever been asked (laughs) uh, in the history of my life. No, no joke there. Um, It's it's certainly uh, there's databases that you can pay for subscription services um, that will have that data. The same data that the books use to make the lines. So let's say, for instance, in football, um, there's pace of play, how many snaps a team has per game. There's obviously metrics that determine how good a team's offensive line is, how good their defensive line is. There are injuries to account for. And we're seeing that this week with a few quarterbacks around the NFL who are not going to be able to play and quarterback being the most important position, the position that has the most significant impact on the outcome, because quarterbacks obviously have the ball in their hand every single play. Wide receivers, running backs, offensive linemen do not. So they have a more of an influence and um, in being able to dictate the outcome of a game. So like if Tom Brady's playing, obviously, the Buccaneers are likely going to be favored in just about every game. They're not this week, I believe, against the Rams. It may have been a steam to the uh, Buck side, but... Like if, if, if Tom Brady's out and the Buccaneers have to go to Blaine Gabbert, their backup, that is significant information that is going to affect the line and change the way that the line um, shows the Buccaneers versus any other team. So it is, I get mine through all these databases I pay, you know, I pay for, um, and it gives me the information that goes way, well beyond like stats on the back of a baseball card or stats on the back of a football card. It's things like pace of play, Injuries, um, how teams, what what trends they have against certain types of defenses, because different teams run different defenses, and some offenses may be good against a two-high shell. Some may be good against a single-high. Some may be good against teams that have, you know, um, like weak play at cornerback. Some might be good against teams that are weak at defending the run. Like all of that data is available. That's the the beauty of the world now. Like data is available for each for everyone, and that's all we do. We're culling data each and every second of the of the uh, of the day. For for companies, it's used to determine your shopping tendencies. For gamblers, it's used to determine tendencies for teams that are facing off against one another.
1: Mm. Um- I mean, it's, it's so the things that you look at and you analyze, there are so many factors. So I'm, I'm incredibly impressed at you. I'm just going to come out and say it. I don't like to give you many compliments, oh, but I am extremely, that is extremely literally the impuls- nicest thing you've ever said. Yeah, to me. you're welcome. I had to pay take. you back it, somehow it for coming take. on my podcast.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry for the Blondie. Yeah, that that you know. was out of line. I'm glad we made up.
1: Line. It's good. It's blonde all good.
0: Blonde or not, you're one of the smartest, most wonderful people I know.
1: Keep going. <laughs> Just kidding. (laughs) Um, You know, uh, I put up an Instagram story before you came on and I asked people, um, you know, what I should ask you about betting. And literally within 15 minutes, I got like a million questions for you. So I'm just going to go through just a few of them. And then I want to get into uh, a few terms that are commonly used in the sports betting world that people might not know. Um, So someone wants to know what trends do you see in wagers slash betting lines for teams traveling long distances coast to coast? We talk about all those factors. How does that factor excellent.
0: in? Yeah, that is an excellent question. Back in the you know sixty seventies, and eighties, that was I think a bigger influence on the outcome of games because traveling wasn't as comfortable as as, as now. Like teams were flying coach or they were riding a a janky bus, mm-hmm. and that affects your performance. But nowadays, it's two thousand twenty one at the highest highest levels of you know uh, collegiate sports, uh, even and um, professional sports. With teams charter planes. Guys have hyperbaric chambers. Um, there's more knowledge about diet, exercise, sleep cycle, all those things. So traveling long distance is still something that can't be ignored for certain, but I think it's becoming less um, impactful to the outcome of games because mm. um, we're just smarter and better about how to you know, handle our bodies um, for recovery. Um, for for rest, um, for all those things that go into your performance on the field.
1: That's why you can't bet against Tom Brady. He's got all that on lock. (laughs) He'll deliver you a box of healthy food so that you can be that way, too. Um, I I have, like, five different questions that say how to win. I can answer that one. You watch How to win? Yeah, you watch Tyler Fuljum on Daily Wager. (laughs) That's how you win.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I would hope. But the bottom line is don't expect to win. Uh, Go into gambling expecting to make it a – you know, fun way to engage in the game, but don't expect to win. That's why Vegas, that's why they say the book always wins. That's why they've built all these massive resorts and casinos out here, because it, it's not that it's rigged against you, but it's really, really hard to consistently win when you are trying to predict things. You know, no no one's Nostradamus. If there was, you know, and that back for future, Biff had his al- <laughs> <laughs> Biff had his almanac, if that was the reality, then everyone would do it. But it's hard, so go in just trying to, and then maybe once in a while you'll get lucky, like winning the lottery. You know, you'll you'll land a big bet or a big, you know, parlay or something. But don't go in expecting this to be like you know oh. um, the way you're going to earn a living, because there's very very few people um, with that special talent who can be professional gamblers. Um, and and frankly, they're just smarter and better at math than all of us.
1: Are. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know this this question that I'm reading right now is kind of I think you might have just answered it, but he asked. Uh, what is the best way to take emotions out of sports betting? Would you say the same thing just to go into yeah, it, not expecting mad. to win? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and if you can just, if you like, it's hard for me because I'm a sports fan. You're a traditional sports fan. Most people who want to gamble are traditional sports fans. Mm-hmm. They emotionally invested in the outcome. That is not the way to win in gambling. If you are a soulless, emotionalist spreadsheet, you know, type of person who can just look at numbers and let the numbers dictate your decisions. That is the most likely or best way to uh, win or to to make it profitable. But that's hard to do. The human element is, well, I don't want to bet against my team. Even if the numbers say I should bet against the Rams this week, I want to bet on my Rams. I want to bet against the team I'm rooting for. Um, But that's hard to do because we're humans and we're fallible. But if you can be literally a robot and just develop good algorithms, good processes, and trust those numbers, Those numbers can be profitable over time, but that's certainly easier said than done.
1: Yeah, we worked with someone, Dylan McGordy. He would not play fantasy (laughs) baseball because he didn't want to bet against the Yankees.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's
1: crazy. That is
0: 100% true, and that's real.
1: Okay, someone asked, how can I get started? I'm great at spending money that I shouldn't be spending. Sounds like he's in the right place.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, depending on what state he or she lives in, um, he can just he or she can download an app or th- we're now starting to see this too, Abby, um, with the leagues coming on board with gambling, we're starting to see sports books go up in sports stadiums. Like mm-hmm. again, we work together in Chicago and Wrigley field has gone through a bunch of renovations. They're putting a sports book at Wrigley field in the coming years. So if you're at the Cubs game, you can just go over to that sports book and place a wager on the game, place a wager on uh, other baseball games, etc. So that is something. There, there's more and more places with states legalizing gambling that are brick and mortar you can just go to, and of course with the uh, internet and mobile devices or your computer, you can sit at home, create an account um, with a uh, with a reputable book online. Do and you like you a certain can just one? Wager from there,
1: uh, like certain book.
0: Yeah, I mean everyone has their preference with the layout. Um, with the uh, some popular ones are Bovada, obviously Caesars. DraftKings and FanDuel have sports books, and they've. uh, I've always. I I got into gambling, so to speak, through daily fantasy more so than wagering on games. So Mm. I'm kind of just uh, conditioned to use um, DraftKings sports book. So that's the one I use. But you know, there's another thing to consider here too, Abby. And this is what the really, really smart gamblers do. Not every sports book has the same line for each game. Oh. There'll be different lines at different sports books because they have their own proprietary algorithms and not everyone's is the same. So at one sports book, it may be, let's say for the instance, uh, the Bucks-Rams game, uh, there the total at one sports book may be 55 and a half, the total at the other sports book may be 54 and a half. And while that does not seem like it's a big deal, one point, rest assured it is a massive deal when there is a number that is different. If you think this is gonna be a high scoring game between the Rams and the Bucks, Why would you go spend your money at the book where the line is 55 and a half as opposed to 54 and a half? Shop around. If you think it's going to be a high scoring game, absolutely. Help yourself out by giving yourself that extra point. Because of course you said, how do these guys get it so close all the time? It's going to come down to either they're going to score 55 or 54 points in this game. And if you have 54 as opposed to 55 and you're going over or vice versa, if you think it's going to be a lower scoring game, you want the 55 number, not the 54 number. Because you just want as many advantages as possible. And one point may not seem like an, a lot. Half a point may not seem like a, not a lot. But rest assured, Abby, that it is massive in the grand scheme of things. So that's why it's, the smart gamblers have accounts at multiple places. And they will shop around and say, all right, which one has the lowest spread? Or which one has the highest spread? Which one has the lowest total? Which?" And they will determine their bet based on which store wow gives them the best price it's the same way if you're shopping for a sweater you would go shop at two different places and the one that gives you the cheaper price you're going to buy it there. Right. It's the same with gambling. It is Gosh. a shopping endeavor. So go find the best price for yourself.
1: How do you keep your blood pressure down? Because that is so stressful. Oh, Not only Lord do you me. have to, like, you know, I make, I, I hate decisions. And so if I made the decision, <laughs> one, to Brett, let's say I bet the over. And I'm like, dang it, I shouldn't have bet the over. Not only do I have to worry about that, I should have said, oh, I should have used this sports book instead of this sports book. That's too stressful <laughs> for me, Tyler. I can't do it.
0: Yeah, so if, if, if high blood pressure is an issue for you, maybe um, gambling is not your thing. <laughs> maybe just sit back, relax, and enjoy the game with a, a nice adult beverage or um, uh, an that's edible what or something doing. that's going to cal- calm you down. But um, it is not for the faint of heart, especially for those fans like you and I, Abby, who get emotionally invested, mm-hmm. even when we are wagering some money. So, um, yeah, blood pressure and gambling, um, uh, high, <laughs> high returns. It. It's inversely correlated. High returns is good for your blood pressure because you're going to be happy, but bad returns, bad for your blood pressure because you're going to be upset, angry, and the blood pressure is going to be through the roof.
1: And you said you weren't Notre Dame's. Look at that.
0: (laughs) Exactly. No, I'm not. I'm certainly not.
1: All right. We've got to step aside for a quick recess, but we'll be back right after this. So, okay, I just, again, want to finish things off by going through a few betting terms, if that's all right, Um, you know, because Mm -hmm. when you are starting off, it's like, what's a spread? What's an over-under? So what is a spread?
0: A spread is the difference, the expected difference in points for those two teams that game. So again, for instance, if we're talking about a football game, one team might be favored by three points. That means they are spotting or giving the other team, before the game even starts, a, uh, a, a three-point head start, and you'll see spread on your app or on with a plus or a minus. A team that has a minus, that means they're favored. A team that has a plus, that means they're an underdog. And the most simplest way to do this is whatever the final score is. Let's say the final score of a game is thirty-one to twenty-four. Then you look at the spread, and the spread will say minus three, plus three. It, it will be the same on both. It'll be the same number, but one side will have a minus, one side will have a plus. Basically, all you're doing with a spread is you're taking the final score of the game, the real-life final score. And for the favorite, you're subtracting the difference, three points. For the um, underdog, you're adding the difference, three points. So for a game that was you know, 31-24, the favorite won by seven points. He covered the spread because after you subtract the three and add the three for the other team, he's still up. Uh, what is it, 28 to 24, whatever it is. So it, it just it just made it a four-point difference instead of a seven-point difference. All you're doing with the spread is you're looking at that number and you're subtracting the spread from the final total of the team that's favored, and you're adding the spread to the final total of the team that's the underdog. It's the most simplest way to explain how a spread works. It's just a number that is added and subtracted to the final score of the game.
1: So if the spread is three and you bet the spread, you're pretty much saying that they're right. I mean the the sports book is right.
0: if If you bet the favorite, so if you bet the team that's um minus three, then you're saying, yeah, the sports book is not accounting for how much better the favorite actually is. that right. I think the favorite, even when you subtract three, is still gonna beat the um, underdog when you add four. Now, if you're betting on the underdog, you're saying the book is giving this team that is supposedly quote unquote worse, they're adding too many points to their final score. So let's say that same outcome, let's say it was 31-24 is the final score, but the spread was eight points. So instead of subtracting three, you're subtracting eight points from the winning team's total or the team that was favored. In that case, now the underdog wins because when you subtract 31 from or eight from 31, it gets 23. And now the, now the underdog has won because they have the plus eight points on the 24th. So Mm. it's, it's just bottom line. It's just a way to make the playing field level for two teams. And you, you determine, all right, if I'm going to get an extra eight points with this team, even if they lose, I don't think they're going to lose by eight points or more. They may lose the game, but I think they're only going to lose the game by three or four points. So if you're going to add eight points to their final tally, that's the team I want to bet on. Conversely, if you think, Uh, The team is just so much better than the other one. Even if I'm subtracting points from their final score, they're still going to have a higher number than the team that they beat.
1: Okay, so then that's the difference between the two scores. But when you add them together, you get the total. So can you take me through the over-under?
0: Yeah. Yeah, the over-under or the total is just no matter who wins the game, no matter what the outcome of the game is, that is irrelevant. How many points are going to be scored in this football game or this basketball game? or this soccer match. So in football, let's say the the total is 44 and a half. If the two teams combine, and it doesn't matter the the arithmetic to get you there, one team could score all the points and another team could score none of the points. It does not matter who wins, who scores how many. It just matters when you add up the total number of points scored in the game, is it higher than 44 and a half or is it lower than 44 and a half? That's why it's over or under. Under. So that one's very simple. It's just how many points are scored in the game?
1: And then what's a push?
0: A push is when it's a tie. It's mm-hmm. it's kissing your sister. It's a tie. So let's say the spread is minus seven points, and again we go back to that uh, outcome I had before, thirty-one twenty-four. So minus seven points, you end up at twenty-four twenty-four. It's a tie. Right. Back door bet. And that means no one. That means no one wins any money. The book doesn't win any money, and you don't win any money. They just return your bet. Like if so, if you bet ten dollars on that game. And uh, it ends up a push. Then you just get your ten dollars back. That's it. It's, it's like it, it's like it never happened. Thai <laughs> gambling is like it never happened. The game never happened. Right. No, there was no outcome to change the hand of money.
1: Which is kind of nice sometimes, as it means you just <laughs> yeah, lose. Oh, listen, for for the
0: for the in reality for the um, sportsbook a tie is a loss for the better a tie is a win because you didn't lose money.
1: Right. There you go. If you,
0: if you didn't lose money, <laughs> that is considered a win. Now you may good. not have added money to your bank account, but let me tell you anytime the book does not keep your money, consider it a win. In your heart.
1: I like that. A win in your heart. That's all we can ask for, right? <laughs> what's that's yeah, uh... the
0: only time kissing your sister is 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 worthwhile, <laughs> I guess, right there. Is when it, you're gambling. And kissing your sister is okay, I'll take it. There you go.
1: Um, okay, what's a backdoor bet?
0: A backdoor cover. Cover. Um, there you go. Um, <laughs> a, a ba- yeah, a backdoor exactly. A backdoor cover is where the team that's supposed to win is winning by, you know, a massive margin for most of the game. So like in football, it's where the spread is 10 points. The team that's supposed to win has got to win by 10 points or more. And for the most of the game, they're up by 21 points. You know, they're, they're just blowing this team out. And so sometimes in football, especially uh, in basketball as well, you will pull out your starters in that case because the game is already in hand. You know, because the the actual teams, they don't care about point spreads. They just care about wins and losses. And so no matter what happens in the fourth quarter, we're up by 21 points. So we'll pull our starters and we'll have the B team come in. Meanwhile, the team that's losing keeps their best players in. And in that fourth quarter in garbage time, as they call it, it doesn't matter for the outcome of win or loss, but it matters for the spread because that team that was losing by 21 points scores two late touchdowns in the fourth quarter. And then they end up only losing by seven points instead of 10 points. And that's a backdoor cover. The underdog snuck in the back door because the team that was winning left it open because they didn't care. The game was already over in their eyes. And the team that was supposed to lose by 10 points and was getting murdered by 21 the entire game scored two late inconsequential touchdowns for the outcome win-loss. But they very much mattered, those two touchdowns, for the outcome win versus the spread.
1: That is honestly one of probably the, the, the biggest memories that I have just from watching people place bet on bets on things, you know, where we used to work, you know? And you're watching the, mm-hmm. the game and you're like, oh, congratulations. And then in like the last second of the game, one of the teams <laughs> scores. And it's just, it's it's from someone who's not betting, it's it's kind of funny, but then you realize it's oh, not it's- funny. It's not funny for that person who just put that money down. Um, so yeah, you gotta oh, be is- careful.
0: 1000% true. It's hilarious if you don't have any money yeah. Bob, to watch someone like be counting their money for the first three quarters and like, oh, I'm gonna go buy a new pair of shoes. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy, put a down payment on a house with this, or whatever. And that's <laughs> not quite as funny if no. that's what they're relying on. But then to see that money taken away because a Hail Mary by the team that's losing they catch it, even though it doesn't matter for the outcome again, they catch it. Or I, I remember we remember a few a few people, one better that we worked with in particular, who was kind of a, a degenerate, um, <laughs> almost got into a fight with one of our other coworkers because yeah. that co-worker was laughing at him when a backdoor cover happened and he lost a lot of money. So we laughed because we weren't involved. But it is very much real pain for the people who suffer a backdoor loss.
1: Right. Uh, This is kind of a side question. But do some sports, we talk about football, just in that instance, do some sports have a higher probability or more predictability when it comes to gambling on games? If you look at football, basketball, baseball, what are those?
0: I think that's that's a really, really good question. I think football, and and part of it, too, is because think about this. Like, more people bet on football. Mm -hmm. More people bet on basketball. More people bet on the more popular sports, so like these sports it. books. Yeah, exactly. So these sports books spend more time making sure their algorithms, their numbers are right and tight with the most important sports, because they're going to they're going to have more money bet on those sports. There is a lot of smart gamblers who have found soft markets in sports that are not quite as popular. Um, table tennis, um, you know, like fringe sports, NASCAR, things like that. Um, You know, I I hate to say it because I like watching it, but like WNBA versus NBA, the sports books just spend less time committing their algorithms to WNBA because it's not quite as popular as the regular NBA, the men's NBA. And so if you're a smart veteran, and you know a lot about the WNBA, you research, you watch, and you know trends there, you can find Um, easier lines and totals to attack in the WNBA just because the books are spending more time trying to make sure their numbers are right in the NBA because they're taking more money on that. Mm -hmm. Now, hopefully, you know, that becomes even in the future. eh, The WNBA grows in popularity and it becomes tighter or the the NBA becomes looser because they have to spend more time, you know, on the WNBA. But bottom line is football is the hardest to bet because it's the most popular to bet. Mm -hmm. The less popular a sport is, the easier, quote unquote, it is to bet because the books don't care as much because they're not taking as much money on that. They don't care if they lose as much a tennis bet here in America versus an NFL bet because the NFL bet is millions and millions of dollars. The tennis bet is thousands of dollars. Mm. So that is certainly something to consider. And the smart gamblers do.
1: Right. Uh, We talk uh, very often just using this term loosely is the odds. What are the odds that this and what are the odds that that what are odds in betting and what are the different types of odds?
0: Uh, Odds, a a synonym for odds in betting is probability. What is the probability that this is going to happen? Um, So odds also dictate the price that you are going to pay for a certain bet. Um, everything, it, it is kind of difficult, um, especially without, you know, having like a, a chalkboard to, for our listeners here to kind of, um, illustrate what this means. But in the most simplest terms, um, an even money bet is plus 100. Okay. Let's, let's, let's look at everything in the, um, um, unit of 100 and even money bet is plus 100. That means the probability or the odds are even on both sides, 50, 50. Their math has determined when these two teams matched up, it is literally a 50-50 coin flip of who is going to win the game. That is plus 100. Now, as the probability or the math dictates that one team is better and one team is worse, the odds increase in the team that is better favor and the odds decrease in the team that is worse favor. And it goes for the team that is better, the odds go to a minus number, like minus 150, or the odds go to a – A favor for the team that is underdog to plus one hundred and fifty, and basically what that means is the probability at minus one hundred and fifty. It's a math equation. It's a it's a simple math equation that um, the let's say at uh, plus two hundred. For instance, the easiest way at plus two hundred, a one team is likely to win that game two out of two out of three times. Two. Two times for the team on top, one time for the team on bottom. Now, this is, again, very, very archaic way of describing it. I'm not doing it well. Someone who's more um, eloquent with math terms would be better. But odds are essentially, in the most simple way, a probability that one team is going to win, a probability that the other team is going to win. And there are odds calculators that you can go for free on the internet and plug in the price and say, all right, if a team has a minus 150 probability – I plug that into my calculator because, again, not good with numbers. And at minus 150, that means that the book expects that team to win the game 60% of the time, okay? At minus 150, again, at plus 100, it's 50-50. It's even-even. At minus 150, the team that's favorite is expected to win based on the math that they have done. 60% of the times, they match up with this team that they're playing. On the other side, the underdog, if they are plus 200 or plus 250, let's say, that means they're expected to win the game only 28.6% of the time. That's why they're considered the underdog. They're not more likely. They're far less likely to win. That's why you get a bigger payout if you bet on that underdog and they do win. It. So if you bet $1, uh, if you bet, no, let's say $10, so that's easier, easier. If you bet $10 at plus 250 you get $25 back for correctly predicting a less likely outcome. Now at minus 150 like I said, the odds, there's 60%... They're likely to win. You don't get any benefit for betting on the team that's supposed to win. So if you bet $10 at minus 150, you only get $5 back. They're not going to reward you for, you know, you're not going out on a limb there. That's why you win a lot more money betting on underdogs. It's less likely, but if you correctly predict a less likely outcome, they're going to reward you for that. If you bet on a team that's supposed to win, yeah, you're going to get some money back, but you're going to get less than you bet because you just, all you did was, you know, pick a team that's supposed to win. So that's how the odds work. And that's how the price works. It's all based on probability. And that's why you get more money for betting correctly on an underdog and you get less money in return for correctly betting on a team that wins. But bottom line is you're coming out ahead either way. If you win a bet, you're you have more money than you won before or that you had before. It's just a a, a percentage of of what you bet.
1: Yeah. I think it was Aristotle that said you got to risk it to get the biscuit. Does that sound about right? Uh,
0: that was that was <laughs> Bruce Aristotle Arians who <laughs> said that uh, no risk it, no biscuit. So, exactly. yeah, that's why some people like just betting on underdogs because, hey, I'll wage you my money. But if I have some. Some sense that this underdog is going to win here. I'm going to win back my money and then, you know, double, triple, quadruple. I, it, is know, there ten a, times exactly.
1: Is there a limit on, on some of these these apps? Do you have to bet a certain amount? Because in my head, I'm like, OK, I no. could go bet on the underdog. Like maybe I'll just put five bucks in a day, you know, yeah. no, you no, can do no. that. There
0: is there's, there's certainly yeah, there's no lower limit. There are upper limits. Some I'm will, wondering about the lower limit. <laughs> yeah, the lower limits. No, you can bet a cent. Oh. You can bet uh, one dollar. You can bet fifty cents. There's usually no lower limit, but there's certainly upper limits um, in different type of markets, like prop markets, um, which are uh, harder for books to set fair lines um, because uh, that that's so difficult. They'll only let you bet you know a certain amount, especially if you're good and winning. That's another thing that's kind of annoying about sports books. Um, they have the freedom to just you know cancel your account if you're winning too much money off of them. Like, nope, you can't bet here anymore. That yeah, should be yeah, illegal. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I agree, but it is not. So if you're just too good at it, you're going to have to go <laughs> to another place because they are they don't want to keep losing to you. Again, that's right. why they, the house always has the advantage, man. It's hard, but you're going to have to go somewhere else uh, and, and start wagering there and then move to another spot. But um, there, there's no lower limits. If you just want to put 5 bucks into your account, you're certainly welcome to do that. And if you want to bet $1 on a game uh, just to see if you uh, – Uh, are good at this or not, you can, you can definitely do that.
1: Okay. So I have $5 right now. Who are the safest teams to bet on this season? What are your projections? (laughs) (laughs) Help me out. Um, Well,
0: uh, again, that's that $5 could only return you 80 cents. If they win, if you're betting on only the, um, you know, the biggest favorites, but if we're talking, we're talking football here, I think what you want to try and do is find a team that is undervalued, a team that's expected to do, do bad, but you think is going to be, much better than their expectation. Um, like, for instance, right now, the Las Vegas Raiders, um, ironically, and the Carolina Panthers are two teams that are 2-0 and in the NFL, and they weren't expected to be 2-0. and They were expected to be um, – the Raiders were um, underdogs in both their games, so they were expected to be 0-2. So right now the Raiders are vastly outperforming expectation, and that might be indicative of a team that's just going to be a lot better than the sports books anticipated. So you can maybe try and ride that trend if you think it's for real and the Raiders are going to keep winning. Uh, same for the Panthers, who are two and zero, and that wasn't really expected. I think their win total for this season was set at seven, so th- they were really only expected to be like a seven and ten team. And right now, you know, they're on their way to being seventeen and zero. Now that's not going to happen, but that's what you you're going to want to try and find and put your money on. And uh, you know, like, and within individual games, if you just think one team because they lost their starting quarterback, like if you think the Texans are bad and they lost Tyrod Taylor and now are going to a rookie third round quarterback. It might be wise to bet, you know, a dollar your five dollars on the Carolina Panthers on Thursday night football, because now the Texans, who were already a team that was expected to be bad, are turning to a rookie quarterback who has never played in the NFL. That's, a, that's tough. That's tough for them to win. That's tough for them to match or exceed expectations. So uh, maybe bet the Carolina Panthers minus eight and a half um, or, or minus eight. You can also bet them on the money line. But because they're expected to win by so much, that, that that's going to be like a minus 300 bet, meaning you're only going to get 30 cents back for the dollar that you uh, placed on the bet because you won.
1: Well, I'm going to take my $5 and if I lose, I'm going to come after you. So yes, hopefully, that's how it always works <laughs> for
0: people in my business. <laughs> right.
1: Um, you know, Ty, I could honestly keep you here forever and I don't want you to go, but I have to wrap it up. So I want to just finish off um, for people who maybe are first time gamblers, first time bettors, uh, they want to place a bet. Uh, what's your biggest piece of advice for them?
0: Yeah, I would say like you, Abby, start small. Um, uh just go into it not with the expectation of winning, but just to uh, have some fun to see if you have a little Nostradamus in you. if your <laughs> intuition or your gut um, is right. So you know, put whatever everyone's budget is different. For some people, you know, lunch money may be you know ten thousand dollars. For others, you know it may be ten dollars. So whatever your lunch money is, whatever you're not worried about that you can put into your you know monthly budget of expendable income and be comfortable with, if you want to gamble, You know, download one of the apps. You have to, of course, be in a state where it's legalized and it's not legal in every state. So, for instance, if you're in Wisconsin, uh, unfortunately, you can't do that. But if you're in Illinois, you can do that. So um, go find a book that you want to use and then put your lunch money in there and then, you know, try and, you know, if you want to get real deep into it and do some research on trends and numbers, find some websites that have that. And look at that and figure out a process otherwise just use your gut and intuition like i just think this team's gonna win for this reason and throw that little small bet on don't put all of your money on one bet either space it out like do one bet a week or or if you're gonna you know have ten dollars in your account you only bet $4 game or your first night that you're betting and put that on four different games or whatever it is. So just, just start slow and do not expect to win. Just use it as a way to engage in a game that you normally wouldn't um, because you're trying to predict an outcome rather than you'll engage in your team. Like I'll watch a Cardinal game. I don't, I'm not going to bet on it and I'll still be engaged. I'll watch all nine innings because I'm a Cardinal fan, but if it's a Braves nationals game, I'm not that interested unless I am (laughs) wagering. So just use it as a way to be engaged in the entertainment slash sports industry.
1: I love that aspect to be engaged. That's, you know, you could watch, you could learn something about a different sport or a different team that you didn't want, yeah. that you didn't previously Absolutely. know because you are, are more engaged. It's great advice. And Tyler continues to give great advice on his show, Daily Wager. Tyler, where can people watch? When can people watch?
0: Yeah, Daily Wager is on um, for football fans Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. So I got to get up at the crack of dawn. Actually, the sun's not even up when I wake up to get in studio. And then Monday, um, uh, during the work week, Monday through Friday, it's on ESPN2, uh, just like it is on Sunday. But it's on at 3 p.m. local for me, 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, So figure out uh, your time zone there. But ESPN2. Um, early on Sunday mornings and in the afternoon before evening games start, essentially 6 p.m. Eastern uh, and 3 p.m. Pacific.
1: All right, everyone, check him out. Tyler, thank you so much for coming on. I'm glad we found a way to link back up in the work world once again. You're the best.
0: (laughs) Once again. Once again. And I'll send you what I'm wearing today so you can uh, copy it for when you head into work. Well, if
1: you're wearing a blue blouse, then um, we're already (laughs) matching. All right, Tyler. Thanks again. All right. If you missed anything from class, these are my office hours. And here are some top takeaways about sports betting. Number one, part of the stigma of gambling comes from the fact that it used to be illegal. Tyler drew the comparison that bookies were kind of like drug dealers. It was frowned upon. But now that it's legal, you can use those profits and taxes for good. Number two, not all gambling has to be this big ordeal. Tyler suggests to start small. Don't spend more money than you have. The outcome of a game, of course, is out of your control. So just go into it thinking that you'll lose. It'll be much better for you and for everybody. And number three, gambling can be a good way to be engaged in other sports or teams you might not normally watch. Let's say you don't always turn on baseball. Well, if you have action on the Orioles-Phillies game, for instance, it's a great way to stay captivated. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast on sports betting. For more podcasts, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com and don't forget to subscribe to this one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and leave us a review. This has been Getting Schooled with Abby Hornacek on the Fox News Podcast Network. Class dismissed.